0: begins. Wagwan everyone. Hello my friends and neighbors across the world. Let me introduce myself if you're here for the first time. My name is Mortimer El Matador Main, this is my lounge, this is my podcast, this is my show. What we do here in the afternoons before we pop off with the with the craziness that comes with the nighttime, you know, in a bar. I've just been going through my record collection that I've that I've transferred here to the lounge. Um, One record at a time, we're going through it, it's loosely alphabetized, I'm pulling out an LP, I'm playing the one or two, or three maybe, what I think are best songs off that record, and then we talk about it. (laughs) Alright? So welcome to the show, if it's your first time, welcome back. If you come in every day, I love seeing your beautiful smiling faces in my mind's eye. Okay, so first things first, let's talk about the movie we watched earlier while we were setting up. 1983's The Keep, directed by Michael Mann, starring Gabrielle Byrne, Jurgen Prancho, and Scott Glenn. This is a movie based off of a book that I read after getting it at a hostel in Greece. <laughs> I was like, what is this? The cover looks cool. I read it. It was about nazis occupying this castle in romania in 1941 and this demon inside that like fucks them all up pretty cool and other stuff happens you should check it out check out the tagline tonight they will all face the evil (laughs) the keep go ahead and see it it's nice to see uh, it's always nice to see nazis get fucked up okay so fan mail this was pretty cool i thought from just yesterday so Here's email. Dear Morty, During the conclusion of yesterday's Johnny Cash episode, you recounted a personal story of you and a friend discussing the rapper Nelly. Specifically, you were discussing his rationale for wearing a band-aid on his face. You quoted him as saying, It's because my brother is locked down, so you know. Okay, I'm just going to pause the letter here. That's true, but that was a quote from my friend Chains. Who actually saw the interview, okay? So that was a quote of a quote. Okay, the letter goes on. I must admit, I questioned the legitimacy of this quote, so I googled it, and sure enough, the first hit was from the website funtrivia.com, which quotes Nellie as saying, I think that my little brother, City Spud, might see it. Cause you know, he in lockdown right now. So you know what I'm saying? I do it to let him know that we holding it down for him too. So, that's the quote. Moving on, in the letter. Wow, your recount was, in actuality, extremely accurate. (laughs) In the future, I think I'll think twice before questioning any of the knowledge you drop. Hmm, well you know what? That's good, that's what I want. You, You must question everything. And then Brad says Cheers to everyone at the Treehouse Lounge Keep up the good work P.S. My little brother Also in lockdown So maybe your audience Wouldn't mind wearing band-aids On their faces (laughs) He might see it And know that we're all Holding it down for him too You know what I'm saying Peace Brad From Parts Unknown Brad I'm wearing a band-aid right now my man So uh Peace to little Brad. And yeah. This is not just a podcast, it's a movement, you know what I'm saying? Thanks for writing in. I hope you write it again. I man, did Brad has Brad written in before? I think I remember Brad from Parts Unknown. Okay, moving on. We got a big show today. We got a we got a good song, man. Really good song. Great song, actually. Good band, really good band. Couple great songs. Today we're talking about cream. Cream. Cash rules everything around me. Cream, get the money. Just kidding, not that cream. The cream, as in the cream has risen to the top. The cream of the London mid-60s jazz blues musicians. The cream. Cream wasn't a band for that long, okay? There's three guys in the band. Jack, Bruce, Ginger Baker, and a guy named Eric Clapton. This Jack Bruce guy, this dude was crazy apparently, his band before Cream broke up because Jack Bruce pulled a knife on somebody, pulled a knife on one of his own band members man, and where I'm from you know, don't pull that thing out unless you tend to bang you know what I'm saying, so don't be pulling a knife on me unless you're gonna stab me, and if you're gonna stab me man I don't want to be in a band with you anymore you know, fuck out of here with that. So, yeah, that's where these guys started off. <laughs> so, they had, yeah, just a couple albums. The one we're gonna be listening to today is called Wheels of Fire. It's their third album, it's from 1968. It is the world's first platinum selling double LP. Okay, there's two discs in this album. This is a double LP. These guys, a couple genres blues rock, psychedelic rock and what was called hard rock. (laughs) Which is also how Aerosmith was defined back in the day. Basically, what used to be hard rock now sounds pretty soft as hell, in my opinion. (laughs) No, just kidding. What used to be hard rock, if played today for the first time, would definitely not be considered hard rock. Psychedelic rock? What's that, right? Well, have you ever tripped man out on drugs? Psychedelics? Hallucinogens? Well you should! Okay? At least once! Expand your mind, son, in all directions, baby! Always! And then put on some rock music and then you got Psychedelic Rock, right? (laughs) I mean, that's part of it, but... uh, No, I think Psychedelic Rock, it was... It kind of coincided with the... Oh, man! Jimi Hendrix, the, the the visuals, the effects on the guitar, the wah-wah pedal, you know? Wow, wow, wow. I think that has something to do with it. So that's pretty cool. Couple genres there. Like I said, these guys were considered no shit in London, among the city of London, even in England. Some of the best musicians, technically musicians, coming out of jazz and blues and then uh, becoming rock stars. But it didn't last long. Yeah, only about two years and a bit. So when you have three extremely capable and creative musicians, put them on a stage together with only three instruments, they're gonna stunt. They're gonna solo. They're going to want to constantly solo, try to outdo each other, you know, and especially when you're coming from a jazz background, you got to give up the solo, you know, when somebody wants to solo. Otherwise, you're kind of a dick. You would go see them in, in concert and they only play like five songs because every song has like a fucking... 20 minutes solo in it, 20 minutes of solos combined. So that's pretty whack in my opinion, but that's how it was. So they were constantly going back and forth like that, which created a ton of pressure, tension, man, too much pressure. So they broke up after only uh, two and a bit years. So this was super interesting because when I think about a Marshall amplifier stack, like it's just an iconic image of, yeah, power and sound with that nice white cursive Marshall lettering and just the sheer size of these things in 1967-68 Marshall amp stacks were producing more power than ever and apparently the bassist Baker this fucking guy again liked to just blast the sound out okay so he had two stacks he had three st- he would he liked to perform with three stacks one as a backup in case he blew one out and he used to turn up the volume on his bass on stage so loud that it actually damaged drummer ginger baker's hearing he started to go deaf after their first gig listen to this listen to them sum it up baker said in a 2006 interview It just got to the point where Eric said to me, I've had enough of this, and I said, so have I. I couldn't stand it. The last year with Cream was just agony. It damaged my hearing permanently, and today I've still got a hearing problem because of the sheer volume throughout the last year of Cream. But it didn't start off like that. In 1966, it was great. It was a really wonderful experience musically, and it just went into the realms of stupidity. Bruce and Baker's combustible relationship proved even worse as a result of the strain put on by the band's non-stop touring, often forcing Clapton to play the perpetual world peacekeeper. So these guys all knew that they were good and they weren't in really a happy situation and they would certainly be able to have some sort of other solo career because they had all been in bands before, right? This is nobody's first band, so they said that's it. So let's listen to... Some psychedelic rock. <laughs> Sit yourself down into the white room and see if after you can start to see some colors, baby. Here we go. This is cream. This is your brain on drugs. station Black roof country No gold payments Tired star Just at time at the station Is Eric Clapton ever make that fang talk on that one man god damn okay well I hope you like that one your uh, your first psychedelic experience maybe (laughs) so I have to mention that this song is great but they also have another equal if you like that one you're also gonna love a a big tune, their other one, maybe even bigger, I just don't have it on Lax, okay? I don't have their first or second album. The one I'm talking about is off their second album, which was a big, big success, Israeli Gears. I do not have Sunshine of Your Love. I wish I could play it for you. I wish we could get down like that. It's getting it down. That one. So go out, check that song out, and then uh, we'll definitely be on the same level, okay? so having said that maybe you've deduced that that is going to be it for today's show i don't have any more fire trucks for you so i'll leave you with this though something to think about right now as of today the moment you hear this okay consider this we are at the height of human technology and our collective understanding of things in the news today i just read that they've uncovered a previously undiscovered city in Luxor in Egypt, from the ancient Egyptians. So we have a lot of information uh, from the Egyptians, from the writing they left behind, uh, which we can decipher. And they described a lot of things, and we can deduce a lot of other things from the archeological finds that they've left behind. So dig this, man. Based on their writings in 2000 BC, The ancient Egyptians believed that they were at the absolute height of technology. (laughs) That they had discovered it all. That there was nothing new under the sun god. Okay? (laughs) These were people just like you. Living in cities, they had jobs, they had families, they had bureaucracies. (laughs) They had a lot of the stuff that still exists today. And just now, Buried under tons of sand and time, we are discovering where they lived. So it's conceivable that thousands of years from now, under tons more sand, time, dirt, they will discover us and maybe learn about what we thought about ourselves. And I wonder what they would think then. (laughs) okay baby each one teach one everyone's welcome here in the lounge okay come correct get respect that's how we do it come back in 24 hours i'm gonna have more of the good stuff just for you this mortimer the magic man main signing off and i will see you tomorrow peace 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 to all the gods and the earth but especially the earth